Welcome to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast, where three brothers from three different generations talk about their one shared passion, music. I'm your host, Wyndham Lewis, and I'm here today with my brother, Jeremy Sartori. It's a Brother, Brother podcast. Today, we're talking ABBA. You can now listen to the episodes on our brand new BrotherPod app, which also gives you access to additional new music, music news, clips, and content that we curate for each episode. It's also a place where you can interact with us directly through the TalkBack feature. Ask us questions, make suggestions, and voice your own opinions. Just search BrotherPod in the App Store to download on your mobile device. As always, you can learn more about the pod at brotherpod.com, follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and it's extremely helpful if you rate and review us on iTunes. Now, let's talk ABBA. So, Jeremy, I understand you're not feeling well, sitting in your bed, drinking some Nona Lean bone broth. I thought I might come over and tell you a story. A story about music. Does it have guitar solos and explosions? Ah, we'll get to that later on. This is a story about ABBA. Ah, oh, wait, wait. We're talking about ABBA? Good <laughs> yeah. lord. Just stay with me. And scene. That was uh, Jeremy and I's really bad rendition of the beginning of The Princess Bride. Where I, I, I've never I'm, taken a drama class. I'm just going to say that. I'm wearing a suit, and Jeremy's wearing tidy whities and an oversized Bears jersey, playing the role of Fred Savage. Um, but all of this is a way of getting us into a conversation about ABBA. ABBA. ABBA is currently number five on the British album charts. Previously charted with their eight albums, then post-retirement in 1983, the singles, then in 92, Abba Gold, then Mamma Mia on Broadway, Mamma Mia the movie, and now, uh, which Wyndham is eagerly anticipating, and I think Christian may have already seen an advanced copy of, Mamma Mia 2, Here We Go Again. So, yeah. <laughs> real quick, before we start talking about Abba, I just want to say, um, you know, we are not divorced women in the 80s, because that's where I think my intro to ABBA was. Yeah, um, mine was a single mom driving around 70s, uh, 40 Cano line, listening to the albums in succession, and that was one of the things that I wanted to get to, is this sort of, ABBA is this sort of, um, you know, sort of monolith now that I don't think anybody really realizes was a working band at one point that put out records. Um, once upon a time in a galaxy far, far away, uh, there was the Eurovision Song Competition. This is a fairly well-documented history, so I will rush through it. Uh, but two married couples from Sweden, um, Benny and Annie Fried and Bjorn and Agnita, um, tried... Three, three years unsuccessfully, I believe, to enter their song as the Swedish entry. Every, every European country uh, gets an entry into the Eurovision competition, which is a sort of combination of American Idol and the Olympics. Um, every country gets one entry, and ABBA tried to be Sweden's entry, I think, three years running with Ring Ring uh, from their first album. And uh, in 1974, had their massive breakthrough when they put out Waterloo, and it kicked ass 
won the Eurovision competition at the pinnacle, really, of Eurovision's popularity, and then went on to uh, uh, an eight-album, seven-year career um, where they just seemed to put out hits like, you know, nobody's business. And, and like have counting, now... Like Swiss bank accounts. That were, yeah, uh, exactly. Like, <laughs> like uh, counting... Uh, um, like people Kroner, getting divorced Kroner? in the late seventies, early eighties. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was. Uh, um, you know, it's funny if you think about ABBA. They lasted exactly as long as the Beatles. Basically, the same number of albums. And I was wondering, Jared, can you name a single ABBA, ABBA album title? Uh, you know, it's funny. You ask, and I immediately just go blank because no, I can't. I mean, the only thing I would say is, was the first album called ABBA? No. Okay. So then First no, album was called not. Ring Ring. Second album was Waterloo. Third album was called ABBA. So I didn't realize um, Waterloo. Was, I would have assumed that Waterloo, because that was the big initial hit, was the uh, the first thing they'd done. I know they had a career prior too, doing like weird '60s Salvation Army type. They had. Um, they were kind of like on the Benny folk and scene. Bjorn had their own thing, right? Benny and Bjorn had their own thing, and as did. Uh, Agnita. Agnita was actually a pretty big pop star, and um, you know, in from the time <laughs> in Scandinavia. But at the you know at the same time, I mean, you know, that's what you know. Yeah. And um, uh, Anna Frida was a, a single mom from uh, Norway originally. Um, but Benny and Bjorn uh, had were in different outfits. Got together around '68. Um, Agnita had I think five number one songs as a solo artist before um, she and Bjorn married. Um, and, uh, and then Benny, um, and Bjorn started writing songs together for themselves, for other people. And ultimately somewhere around, you know, 72, 73, when both couples were married, they started performing together. Uh, oddly enough, Agnita was a rare, um, individual in the sense that, you know, uh, a lot of women weren't writing their own songs back then. The songs that she charted with were her own uh, compositions and when they started ABBA she sort of was asked to contribute more as a songwriter and and stopped operating as a songwriter and really left it in the hands of Benny and Bjorn who are uh, obviously geniuses I, I mean um, curiosity like career span so you said you know same amount of time as the Beatles what, what is that year like what is the it's seven there? it's basically they uh 73 to 81 okay so they did um, they did make it through the 80s early 80s that is and uh then, they went made it to the early 80s 82 is their official breakup date but they're um they stopped functioning as a band in, in 81 so you know it's it, it you know i always say that you know people when you know, we talk about the Beatles. I was like, okay, well, today is 2018. If the Beatles broke up today, they would have formed in, you know, 2011. Right. Yeah, which is amazing. Which is, and just, I mean, I think ABBA, like for you, Annie, it was kind of like a, a soundtrack, right? I mean, like, I certainly was much younger. I do remember the Econo line van. <laughs> well, because you had a playpen in the back. Exactly. Yeah, this was way before seatbelts and uh, were mandatory. And, and uh, mom was married by then, so. Yeah, he was married, luckily. So, or maybe not, who knows. But um, anyhow, I, I came about somehow. And so, you know, it, it was sort of a soundtrack. And then I absolutely remember it from, like, miserable friends, moms who were just dwelling in, in, you know, broken marriages, and, um, and, you know, but it was still a band I never hated, I was like, you know, they just kind of were like there, they're, they're, 
you know, sort of, it, it's like this, this odd, cheery, catchy, um, you know, soundtrack. And, and so, like, when they came out, obviously, and, and this is something you would be way more aware of because you were, in, you know, a young lad, but, you know, was it a kind of, like, instant success? Was there a backlash? What was the, what was the kind of take on ABBA? It was, they had a couple of hits, you know, and it was, you know, there was not, um, you know, they were very popular in Europe, and then Dancing Queen hit, and it was all over. They were, you know, this was a year or two before like the Bee Gees. Alive, Bee Gees, or pre- Absolutely. Yeah. I was the comp I would give, but the fact is, you know, when you think about, um, you know, this in- disintegration of monoculture, this is pre-cable, pre uh, you know, this is four channels, very few radio stations, um, still, you know, relatively um, uh, independently owned radio stations. So, you know, you, they still had to build sort of from the ground up. And so you still needed that first hit to, to sort of justify playing the second hit. And they did have, you know, Waterloo was a pretty big international hit. Um, uh, it's funny, I... I like a lot of things, when I look back, you know, I sort of um, compress the timeline. And when I looked back to see what the release dates were of these songs, uh, their first hit was Ring Ring, second hit Waterloo. Um, and then ABBA, the album came out, which is their third album, had Mamma Mia, SOS, and I Do, I Do, I Do, which is sort of their ode to Connie Francis. It's and their, their, it's their, their <laughs> Concept, concept trilogy there. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean they're very different songs, but um, and then their fourth album was Arrival, and that was Dancing Queen, Knowing Me, Knowing okay. You, and Money, 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 and wow. that was like. So I didn't realize that so, was so late in the career too. Yeah, it really wasn't late in their career though. I mean, when you think about how quickly bands, how prolific bands were back then, I mean those pro- those four albums probably came out in three years. Um, so Dancing Queen, I think, was either seventy five, seventy six. But that was, I mean, you heard that and you were like, sort of like more than a feeling, which weirdly I think might have come out the same year. Um, you know, it's sort of one of those songs that you hear and I think whatever I was at the time, seven years old, you know, you just knew it was the greatest song you ever heard. So swaying back and forth across your linoleum <laughs> floor. <laughs> your jungle gym. Um, but it was, it was just like a perfect song. And from that day forward, I've never not loved it. It's like I've never been unhappy to hear Dancing Queen. You know, I mean, I will owe to the fact that this pod is 100% Wyndham's idea and, and probably a much bigger ABBA fan than me, and I don't know if Christian's a fan at all. But, uh, you know, but I can't deny the fact that, like, I'm never upset with an ABBA song. Even, you know, the, the cheese that's forced in your face with the Mamma Mia movies and the, and the Broadway, the songs are still good. You know, it's not like you can't... There's a root framework in there that's like, you know, it's sort of identifiable in the same way that you know when you hear a Burt Bacharach song or you know when you hear a Beatles song or, you know, when you can hear Badfinger do no matter what and know 
that yeah. Paul McCartney had something to do with it. You know, you can hear photographed by, I mean, that's a closer tie-in, but photographed by um, Ringo Starr and know that George Harrison wrote it. You know right. what I mean? It's sort of like there's an architecture in these songs that is just uh, yeah, intrinsically ABBA. And, I mean, there's a couple of funny contributing factors to that. One is I had never really thought about it until I went to do my research today, but every single one of their songs is kind of a downer. I mean, lyrically. And every almost almost every one of their hits is about breaking up. I mean, Waterloo is a breakup song. Um, you know, SOS, uh, Knowing Me, Knowing You, Dancing Queen is even sort of a song Dancing about Queen envy. Has a melancholy, you know, yeah, it's yeah. not like it doesn't. I mean, it's an upbeat song and it's definitely a song you move your feet to, but it, it definitely has like a little tinge of like you know, it's kind of like you. And I go back to my my like it's obviously printed in my head. And uh, Wyndham came up with a great term. You came up with a great term, like a you know a while back, like uh, to coin that music, divorce music, and uh, and like it does kind of remind me of that, even though it, it has like such a fun pop, you know, upbeat sort of tempo and, and, and great hooks and choruses and, and you know, it's catchy, it's catchiness. miserable people trying to cheer themselves up. Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, <laughs> but um, but it is. But I mean, Dancing Queen is, it does it has a sense of melancholy, and like the the thing is, I think you know their voices, like Frida particularly, has sort of a, a deeper, you know, uh, less. It's got like a gravity to it that always feels a little bit, um, you know, I, I can't repeat the term, like has a melancholy. But I mean, you think about, um, you know, knowing me, knowing you, SOS, um, uh, Waterloo. Um, Fernando, name of the game. All Chiquitita, Fernando. um, They're all songs about breaking up or you know a failure in a relationship. Um, You know, it's take a chance on me. Um, It's about you know if you break up with that woman, I'm here. And part of it is that they're writing in their second language. So, I mean, yeah. you know, obviously, you know, well, like a lot of Scandinavians have a mastery yeah. of English. But this is, yeah. um, you know, apparently, and, and the more I read about it, the more I get it. But um, Agnita, particularly, the blonde, um, she was very anti-writing uh, songs in English, which is why she didn't contribute as much once she joined the band and barely speaks English. And it's funny because on songs like SOS, particularly some of the earlier songs, her accent is so undeniable, you know. Um, it's, uh, uh, it's yeah, unders- it wasn't a determined I, though. I wish honest. I understood. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's funny. Uh, I, I watched a little something like a, just a YouTube doc on them, which, um, mind you, I could not get through. But, uh, but you know, when they were writing songs early on, I mean, they really came up with the music, and then you know, um, I think it was Benny who, who did a lot of songwriting. Correct me if I'm wrong. And Bjorn. Benny, or sorry, Bjorn, Bjorn or Benny, <laughs> interchangeable in my mind. But um, Bjorn's the one with the that looks more Scandi, and yeah. Benny's the the fat guy with the beard. The beard. Okay, so Bjorn, um, and he would just make up like lyrics like about mashed potatoes and shit like that. So it was like almost a secondary, and then they would come up with like the the you know the tune, and then and then actually write lyrics, which I thought was kind of interesting, but they were just said the guy was like a master at writing like absurd lyrics just to go with the tune. With the perfect melody. Yeah, I mean, exactly. he's, he's sort of, I mean, there's a lot in common with Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney was a sort of a lyric second guy, and thank God he had John Lennon, um, and, you know, to at least 
on if not to uh, you know correct his his cheesiness, but to at least um, lead him in a direction where yeah, um, where he, was know, he was embarrassed to to be so frivolous. Um, you know, but I mean, famously, um, yesterday was written as scrambled eggs. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Same kind of thing. Um, so I have a couple questions before we, we head into a break and hear some ABBA. I mean, like you know, band as an identity. I mean, what does does you know sort of their like? Are they robbed of identity just because it's ABBA? I mean, how does it how does it work? Like, do people? I, I never think of the members of ABBA. Do you? I do, but that's because I have one Halloween dressed as one of the members of ABBA. Benny, um, Bjorn, Annie, or I, I was Benny. Uh, I will I will post this picture um, against my better judgment on uh, on our app um, our, on our feed on our app. Um, but it was yeah, me and my wife and and Johnny Mullally and his wife Beth. Uh, we dressed as ABBA in 1999 and um, pretty did a pretty damn good job of it, I must say. Yeah, um, but I would say, yeah, I, I think ABBA is a is an entity, not a band. You know what I mean? It's I yeah. think for anybody, that's why I'm curious. And I, um, you know, in, in a way, uh, it would be great to have Christian's take on this. But um, you know, can does anybody beyond a certain age? Like I remember their albums coming out, and I remember listening to their albums. So I know their album tracks, and you know, which is weird. And, and if I hear them, I know them. Still, even though I haven't heard you know, them SOS's in forty side years. Track three. On the, no, not 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 the particulars of, of the of the. Of, but if, if a song came on, I mean, if Eagle or or you know Summer Night City came on, I would know all the words. Um, and um, so, like I, you know, I remember them coming out in succession. I don't think anybody can sort of separate anybody born after a certain point can separate that out and and think of them as individual songs. It's just. Um, it's just that you know. It's just yeah. it's just dancing. Queen. Dancing Queen comes on at weddings. Dancing Queen comes on at you know yeah, parties. Dancing, parties. My grandma yeah. likes Dancing Queen. My my you know three year old nephew dances to Dancing Queen. You know that kind of stuff. It's just a it's 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 become almost impossible to consider as its own entity. And um, you know it's certainly getting fuzzier in anyone's mind of of when it was its own entity. Um. You know, so it's hard to it's hard to justify. But the, one of the things that I think is interesting, and I think, um, you know, this is I think the same with your age group. Uh, again, you know, almost ten years younger, um, and I think even the same with Christian's age group is that it's becoming. It was never really going against the grain to like ABBA. It was going against the grain to like disco. It's hard to remember back then, but or it was going against it. But there was something about ABBA that everybody just always agreed to just sort of agree. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, there's there's like a um, benign, and I don't mean that in kind of a negative way, I guess. Like, there's just like sort of a, it, it's, an, it's an okay, like the music's good. There's a like Jimmy Stewart quality yeah, to it yeah, or but a Tom it, Hanks quality sort of, to yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like vanilla enough that like, you can but reach I like vanilla. Everybody, everybody, yeah, but every exactly. Well, that's a perfect thing, you know. Like everybody likes vanilla, right? You, you don't not. You might not want to order it, but you, it's good, right? Yeah. Um, and so I think it, you know I think they kind of capture that that world, and and yeah, and I think everybody has kind of a resurgence. I mean, for us, I mean, for us, for me, 
you know, when I, I think I was in high school. It was Abigold. Abigold, yeah, right, which was huge. I mean, it was mega hit, and, and it was, you know, kind of how I know them, to be honest. Like, I, I don't know the albums, and I wouldn't probably go back and, and you know, comb the albums, but, like, Abigold was perfect. It was like we would, you know, be in a high school party and, like, throw it on, and it was just, like, you know. In between Wu-Tang and Yeah, and exactly. And Sublime Nirvana, or something. You know, <laughs> yeah, like, so it was... I mean, it, it was it was just a fun album to have on, and, and kind of like kitschy, but at the same time, like everybody knew it. And yeah, and I don't know, like I mean, I wonder if, if that's still happening. I think it is. Obviously, those movies are hugely popular. Um, you know, it, it's on Broadway, all that stuff, which I know Broadway scene is probably an older crowd, but those movies are big, right? I mean, that's like a yeah, lot they of, do well. Yeah, but the soundtracks again, you know, the soundtrack yeah. every time. Uh, the play comes out or the new movie comes out or the another new movie comes out it's not just Mamma Mia 2 here we go again soundtrack is number 5 in England I'll bet you anything Abba Gold is number 7 right you know yeah, what no, I mean it's amazing so anyway uh, I don't know you want to take a quick break and, and come back and, and coordinate our thoughts again yeah let's do it Brother, brother podcast. Uh, it's Wyndham and I today, and Wyndham has uh, tricked me into talking about ABBA for uh, 30 minutes here. So, um, joking aside, I actually like ABBA, and I'm happy to talk about them. But uh, maybe not as uh, in depth of a fan as, as my brother here. But um, you know, one of the things we we were chatting about, sort of offline, was. I mean, you've been able to catch some really good ABBA cover bands in your day, when and uh, let's hear about those, and then let's talk about maybe the uh, the pending um, hologram ABBA reunion that I, I'm very interested in. Well, there's there's a funny thing, like there is a whole, it's like there are countries, and I'm looking at you, Australia, um, that have made that. Where ABBA is sort of transcendent in in a way that we don't it's like a we national can, band right it's they like, are yeah, they're yeah. the national band of Sweden they're the national band of Australia um, you know and probably close to the national band of England and very massive throughout most of the continental Europe Europe and um, you know I mean anywhere you go you're gonna hear ABBA but Australia in particular has an obsession with ABBA as they have an obsession with cross-dressing and a few other things, beer, and, um, you know, a few other things. But uh, they, um, like, there was a band that formed back in the late 80s called Bjorn Again, which is maybe the greatest name ever for a cover band. Yeah. (laughs) And um, 
Uh, Bjorn again is still touring, I believe. There's, um, but there's whole swaths of Australian culture. Um, if you look at Australian movies, Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, Muriel's Wedding, that are predicated on full-on ABBA soundtracks. Absolutely, I I'd actually blended both those movies in my head for some reason, but I was just thinking like they just they're obsessed. Yeah, it's there. It's it is. Everywhere you go, it's the toughest guy, and you know, and it's again, it, it it's transcendent of any sort of you know culture thing. I think one of the things that you know, I always loved this band, and I you know hung on to it, thinking that I was an outlier. Um, got into high school, was listening to a lot of Stooges, and you know. Popol Vu and, and, you know, Brian Eno and thinking I was, you know, above the fray in terms of taste. Um, and then but my friends and I who were really into that stuff were also always going back to, like, Waterloo and listening to the King Kong song just because it was funny, but it was also just great. And I remember one of the things that sort of turned the page for me in terms of, of validation of that fact was watching a, uh, an interview with Elvis Costello one time where, you know, he said he was trying to come off as the angry young man and punk and, you know, all these new sort of uh, modes that were, you know, coming out of England. And he said, I, you know, I have to admit, I straight up stole the piano fill from Oliver's Army from uh, Dancing Queen. Which makes um, so much, like, I mean, hearing Oliver's Army right now in my head, absolutely. Yeah. It's and it's you know it, it was an admission of guilt, but it was an also admission of of absolute fandom. It was just like I, as as angry as I was and as much of a poet as I thought I was, I could never shake my fandom of ABBA. And I think a lot of people feel that way. I mean, Opeth, who uh, Christian and I talked about a while back, um, we, or I may have talked to uh, Jake Brennan about on on our uh, Disgrace Land. This you know. Uh, Norwegian black metal band um, said that their primary influence was ABBA. And I'm sure they did it to a degree to be, yeah, you know, is. contrarian. Exactly. But I don't, I don't think anybody grew up in the continent of Europe without having some foundational musical taste built on uh, the back of this band. Um, no, definitely. I mean, well, look, we just saw um, Arcade Fire not, you know, a few weeks ago. And, uh, you know, obviously everything now, they're single, lead single, and, and title track of their, their newest album is, is, you know, I mean, I don't know that they've said it in public, but God, is that not... But Sprawl, part, I mean? Sprawl yeah. part 2 is an ABBA exactly. song, yeah, um, exactly. and was and the first, great. from the first time I heard it, the other one that's, that's really, um, Here Comes the Nighttime, is right. uh, ABBA has a song with a very similar title, and I can't remember what it, it's called, something like Here Comes the Night or something, but it's a very similar... It's not lifted. It's not even, but it is. An, I feel like it's a, a great homage, not a, um, you know, not a case of any sort of uh, thievery. It's just, uh, you know, I, there's no way that you know, band like Arcade Fire or you two, who had Benny and Bjorn come out on stage with them and sing Dancing Queen during their Zuropa tour, I think. Um, you know, it's there was. There's never been. There's never been a, a time when their back was turned. I remember going to see the Bee Gees in 1990 at Great Woods in, in Massachusetts, and um, the place was about, you know, two-thirds full maybe, maybe half full, and it was, you know, nobody liked the Bee Gees anymore. It was very um, uncool. I mean, same with Johnny Cash. I mean, there was a period where I saw Johnny Cash where nobody showed up, and it's hard to imagine that now. Um 
but there was never a time I can remember in the past 40 years or 35 years where there hasn't been a persistent rumor of an ABBA comeback tour where they were where they were offered a billion dollars to do yeah. a, a worldwide tour. Let's talk about that because I mean, obviously, I don't know how much they toured back in their prime. Um, and Not a ton. Yeah, it, it doesn't seem like the type of band that would or the type of sound. But they were good live. No, they were very good live. Okay. And and um, you know, very che- You know, they had that sort of cheesy fashion, and and they yeah. they liked to be a spectacle. They were they were really good. It was a matter of not touring so much because their time was pretty limited. Um, you know, their, their lifespan was pretty limited, but they, they toured Australia, um, which was one of the reasons why they're so huge there. Um, I mean, they, they toured the U S they played, uh, I looked it up. They played the Boston music hall, which, um, is now the Wang center. And, um, you know, they were, but they were big in real time. They weren't, as big in real time as they are. Yeah, as the sort of like post posthumously. Yeah. They've kind of And so, you know, they're they're I actually have not been following the story as closely as you have, but I, I did get tinges of a an ABBA reunion mm-hmm. and was you know with Tupac opening. <laughs> Tupac and, and Biggie um, opening. And so um, Explain this thing. So holograms. We're I don't. I, I tried to. I mean, the one thing yeah. is that they've got a great title for it, which is the Avatar Tour. Nice. Um, it's basically uh, holograms of ABBA taken from their '70s heyday and projected on stage for a full set. I don't know the mechanics of this. I'm not even pretend yeah. to know the mechanics. So we're thinking of this. Vegas, Coachella. No, I mean, I'm thinking. I bet they. I bet this thing headlines Coachella next year. If I'm. Right. If I was a betting man. I would but bet. you just laid down a bet, so we're going to take it. <laughs> yeah, do you want to? I mean, I think we should we should put stakes should, up now. Uh, yeah, but I go. think Abba, the Avatar, would be the uh, ultimate Coachella headliner act. But I think they want to take this on a tour, on a worldwide tour, okay. and it does have the cooperation of the band. It's not somebody, you know. Right. No, um, I, I assume they're firmly behind it, not just. Like, they're firmly behind it. I think the funny thing is, you know, uh, unlike you know, well, Fleetwood Mac sort of gets back together for the money but I don't you know they just kicked Lindsey Buckingham out of the band again um ABBA even very shortly after their divorces were all very good friends yeah um they're just varying degrees of interested in being public personas and you know Frida had a song after uh, had a so a big solo hit after ABBA called I Know There's Something Going On you, you probably remember the song but I don't remember the if I played it for you and, yeah um, you're gonna have to Spotify it post yeah, it was actually a really good song. Phil Collins produced it. Um, and then, uh, you know, Benny and Bjorn went on to write Chess and write a lot of, um, you know, the Chess the Musical, which had a big hit called One Night in Bangkok. Um, and, they, you know, they've written musicals. They've written, fun, funnily enough, they, they did write some concept musical about... Um, Swedish immigrants moving to Minnesota, which, I, which I, even the best music, I can't imagine making that entertaining. <laughs> yeah, um, I believe I think the Cohen brothers. Go, I think you can just go to Minneapolis. And I think the Cohen brothers did that already. Anyway, um, uh, sans the music, but um, I think uh, um, 
you know, they've been, they've been, they've had a fruitful life. They're all wealthy as hell. Um, you know, they've got no reason really to come out of retirement. They didn't really ever go into retirement. So the only one that, that kind of, you know, went into a deep retirement is, uh, Agnita and she, um, you know, lives a very private life and doesn't like to make a lot of public appearances, but even she's kind of warmed to the idea of doing some, um, doing public- yeah. A hologram of herself. Yeah, I mean, hey, what the hell? You know, I mean, how, so much, blue eyeshadow, how, how much blue eyeshadow can one hologram hold weight-wise? That's an interesting. <laughs> would I go? No, I would not pay to go to see a hologram. I, I just... Um, Fundamentally against it. Yeah, I am. And, and you know what? That may be something um, that, you know, I'm holding on to that, that might dissipate over the course of time. I mean, um, you know... Who knows? That that could be that could be, could be something that becomes so prevalent that I will sound silly for having said that in 2018. But um, right now, in yeah, my day, my, I used to see real people on stage. Yeah, and they used to fuck up um, <laughs> and sound bad. But um, you know, to be honest with you, I just that that to me that's a bridge too far. I don't know. Well, that's uh, anything else that you want to you want to bring up on ABBA? I mean, I think I, I could talk all day, but I, I won't for the benefit of everybody. <laughs> but let's let's take a quick break and we'll come back and I want to hear your uh, take on seeing Radiohead live for the first time. Let's do it. If you change your mind, take a chance on the first day in line, on the Take a chance on me. If you need me, let me know. Gonna be around. If you got your place to go, when you're feeling down. If you're all alone, when the pretty birds have flown, when the arms still free. Take a chance on me. Gonna do my very best. Gonna end your life. If you put me to the test, if you let me. are back and um jeremy you saw radiohead live for the first time ever i did yeah and so um i'm excited to talk about it actually it's funny it's it's uh and and any of our listeners who uh want to make fun of me for seeing radiohead for the first time this late in their career can download our app the brother pod app on their preferred um you know app store and download it onto your mobile device and you can talk shit because we have a talk shit uh feature where you can say make fun of me for you can make fun of both of us for talking about abba this long and then you can also uh make fun of me for waiting till uh you know radiohead was on you know year oh god how long have they been around now don't even since um 90 or 85 i think well 25 years yeah Yeah. so it's, it's pretty wild so anyways um getting into it you know i just it's a band, years, it's great. Yeah. you know, a band, yeah, exactly. It's a band that I've actually, you know, enjoyed and liked since Creep and didn't love Creep, but I will admit that my uh, high school garage band covered Creep, um, you know, got really, really into them on the bends and, and kind of from there it was history. But, it, you know, I think Radiohead's a pretty challenging band. Like, I, I'm going to be the first to admit, like, I, I, I 
like everything they've done for the most part to varying degrees, but it's not a band that I technically kind of delve into sitting around, working, traveling, you know, all the things that I do. I mean, I really, you know, there's a time and place that I love and, and you're not an obsessive. Yeah. When I hear them. Um, and it's also a band that really hasn't had, you know, Treep was their, probably their biggest single. Um, obviously, OK Computer and Kid A were huge hit albums with varying degree of, of hit singles. Um, you know, I, I was of the time where I remember, you know, waiting for Paranoid Android to come out on MTV, you know. So this band has really, you know, spawned kind of a, a bunch of different eras and stayed completely relevant and completely exciting. So in my experience, you know, going to see them at, at Boston Garden, you know, and I think they primarily play, you know, just stadiums and festivals these days, and they don't tour that much. But when they do tour, you know, they sell out. And two of my least favorite places to see a band, especially one of my favorite bands that I haven't never seen before. And, um, you know, a couple of takeaways on the show. One is, I don't know, for me, it's always just a great sign when you see a band that's been together that long. And, you know, I'll give you two credit here, too, except for they've sort of are starting to fade on this, I think, a little bit. They're definitely fading on relevance of music, but at least a band that still enjoys playing. Like, these guys really, you know, you get the sense, enjoy playing with each other. and They bring it. Bringing these, yeah, these songs to life. Um, in addition... The crowd, I mean, Wyndham knows very well, anyone who lives in Boston would know this too. I mean, uh, sometimes a rock concert of, of the likes of Radiohead and a Bruins game are pretty interchangeable fan bases in Boston. Um, so, you know, it's not necessarily the, the hipster crowd or the college kids that can, uh, you know, afford the tickets because it's a little more expensive. But, you know, I was really impressed at the fact that, like, you know, and I consider myself a, a pretty pretty strong fan of Radiohead, how into every single era of the band the, the audience was. You know, I mean, it's always great to hear, you know, entire crowd sing, chant the dystopic lyrics of, uh, you know, Idiotech in a stadium. Um, but also, you know, the newer stuff of, you know, King of Limbs or, or uh, Moonshade Pool, were, I mean, people were just as enthusiastic. So it was a great crowd. The band completely, you know, plays the crowd in, in a great way. And, you know, lastly, I think the main thing was, it's all, you know, I think there's a couple bands like this that we've kind of grown up with, whether it's, it's Wilco, um, Radiohead, and I'm not comparing the two like people did in the past, but just more the sense that they've had a career built on doing the music they wanted to do. And there's no kind of self-conscious, like, crowd-pleasing necessity, you know? At the same time, they're completely comfortable with their entire catalog, right? So you get, you know, they played the Benz, they played... Um, you know, daydreaming. They played, you know, Idiotech. They played, um, you know, Letdown in, in, in Bloom, you know. So every era there was a song. You never felt like, like, hey, we have to play this one. You know, we have to play this one. And um, it's more they just, you know, they have a great catalog that they can kind of go through and, and the intricacies that they can go through. And then sound-wise, you know, and band-wise, like, we see a lot of bands. We saw Arcade Fire a couple weeks ago. I mean, really, really fantastic live. A band that, you know, I think every member can play, you know, multiple instruments, including the triangle. Radiohead in the same sense. I mean, those guys just kind of feed off each other and hit the notes and the grooves and the, and the, and the, um, the right, you know, kind of knobs are being turned all the time and everybody is doing multiple things which is always just really fun to see, but then to put on a show at the same time, I, I think is great. So again, I'm late to the party, first time, virgin to the Radiohead show, but um, you know. First time, long time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> always like just, um, 
you know, it's fun to see, you kind of forget about, like, rock stardom, right? Like, you know, everybody from the baby boomers talk about, you know, Pink Floyd or, you know, Bob Dylan or Led Zeppelin or whatever. And, you know, it's cool to see a band that kind of has that, right? I mean, they sold out two nights in the Garden, sold out two nights in um, Boston Garden, that is, Madison Square Garden. You know, I mean, this is a, a big tour, but a band that also is, is weird as fuck, right? <laughs> you know, it's kind of like... It's amazing that this band, yeah. it packs... Yeah, consistently I mean, packs 20,000 seat arenas. Songs about isolation, you know, chirping computer beeps and, and, and you know, sort of like great... Um, Losing your humanity. Yeah, exactly. And, and they do it um, kind of joyously, and, and it was fun. So, anyways, that was my review. Right. Uh, Just to, speaking of Led Zeppelin... Um, they did record in through the outdoor in ABBA's Polar Studios in Stockholm, Sweden. Just I had so to stick another ABBA fact in, didn't you? Did. <laughs> that's a good one, though. I think that's the most ABBA album Led Zeppelin did, too. Probably. Absolutely. I think they borrowed their keyboards for that one. <laughs> anyway, do you want to... Uh, so, Jared, uh, a real mind blanker. What are you, uh, what are you listening to? Uh, 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 um... So I've been listening to, um, I'm going to be like really lame, and I actually kind of delved into the Radiohead catalog before I went, just because I wasn't as familiar with uh, King of Limbs, and, and I had given Moonshade Pool a, a bunch of listens when we did our best of that year, but um, hadn't really gone back to it much, so I just wanted to be a little more familiar with the album, and then um, as far as like I've been watching, I did start the documentary on Netflix, Keepers, which has been out for a little while, and I'm halfway through, and I think you recommended it a while ago. Yeah, it's heavy. It is heavy as fuck and, and creepy, <laughs> but it's really good. Yeah, it is really great. I, I um, at the risk of, of repeating, um, Christian may have mentioned this, but I think I had it on my list and didn't really mention it, which is a very English scandal with Hugh Grant on Amazon, really which is fantastic and funny and you know, campy and dark, and all at the same time, it's uh, the performance has been Winshaw and uh, Hugh Grant, among others, um, are fantastic. Uh, it is a notable scandal from the 60s. Um, it had a, a, a pretty significant um, uh, positive effect, uh, it, although it seemed very negative at the time. Um, had a great deal to do with uh, reversing uh, sodomy and anti-homosexual laws in England in the late in the mid '60s. But um, it is a true story, and uh, our mother was living in England at the time. Uh, yeah, you know, remembered, remembered it well. very well, um, and was like, "Oh God, yeah, Thorpe." Um, so it was pretty funny uh, to talk to her about it because, you know, those kinds of things, uh, given her memory, uh, are so fresh in her mind that, you know, she'll probably be correcting the factual errors if she watches it. Um, that said, would you like to put a uh, – and, again, I highly, highly recommend it. I think it's very funny. It's a it's an easy, easily digestible three, um, one-hour uh, episode. So really good, really good one-night watch. Um, anyway, would you like to put a song on the 86,420 10 best songs of all time? I would. And um, you just have to correct me if this one's gone on, because sometimes I lose track of all the amazing songs we put on this playlist. Um, I was going to do X Lion Tamer by Wire. Wow. I don't believe it is on there. Yeah. If it is, uh, I don't think it is. Good. So um, is otherwise known as... Um, Connection by Elastica, isn't it? <laughs> no, it's, it's uh, that is another uh, song on that album. But oh, I forget, I forget the name of that one. Yeah. 
Um, anyway, I'm going to go, uh, this is going to seem off topic, but it's not the first time I ever saw Radiohead. I, I felt like it was a little late too. It was, uh, somewhere between okay computer and kid a, and, um, the opening act was beta band and I want to put on dry the rain by beta band. Great song. One of the best. So yeah. anyway, um, let's, uh, let's let people breathe and go listen to the eight studio ABBA albums in succession. Uh, chart their growth, and then come back and listen to next week's episode. How's that sound? That works for me. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. I'm Wyndham Lewis. On behalf of my brothers, Jeremy Sartori and Christian Lewis, thank you very much for listening to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. Many thanks also to our heroic producer, Damian Kendall, and to Simon Doom for our epic intro music. Learn more about the pod at brotherpod.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and it's extremely helpful if you rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks again for listening.